You know, if there's one single thing I don't love about the snowball is that apparently on my Jabra, I have a button for mute unmute instead where you have to click in Skype. Can't say that, uh, you know, I, I would I definitely prefer the actual tactile button for muting. You can hotkey it. Yeah, I probably should. You just got to get one of those ridiculous keyboards with, like, G keys on it. Like the gaming keyboards that have, like, 12 other function keys. Hey, we're probably all reasonable people, and by that, what is that? The $2,200 OLED keyboards? You can just basically make a key. Wow. Switch I, back have, and forth. I have never spent more than $80 on a keyboard. I'm I, trying to think if I ever bought a keyboard. I will say that all of my keyboards <laughs> have always been bought by a company of some sort. I've never personally purchased one. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the one at the office. Sure. Yeah. That's somebody else bought that one for me. <laughs> So this is what I'm talking about. It is literally an OLED keyboard. You can assign every function, a key, and do active displays. They have multiple versions of it. That is the less expensive version, which I think is around 1800 And then this is the 2000-something called the Maximus. And it was like literally a full keyboard of this. And wow. so basically every key is a 48 by 48 pixel, uh, fully Smart. animated and everything. Sounds wow. horrible. Yeah, actually, you know, I, I I like the idea of it. I don't like anything when you start talking about thousands of dollars worth for a mic for a, uh, a keyboard for one. That somebody's going to spill coffee on. <laughs> right. You know, funny, I wish they had that in the fact. Like, what happens if I spill liquor on my $2,000 keyboard or something and have them just be like, uh, with profound silence? Pretty much. Has anyone looked into buying a, a, a mute key? Uh, I have. Somebody in my D&D group gave, gave us a link. I'll grab it here in just a second. Of a, um, like a, one of those, it's basically like a literal easy button type thing, right? But it's fully. Yeah. But I think that from what I read on the reviews, uh, it, it actually makes more noise clicking the button than. You for a mute <laughs> <key>. <laughs> oh man okay uh, i have a picture at least for my profile now yay so i started uh 40 minutes ago trying to get uh, uh some semblance of a show topic and structure together and i've absolutely failed in that mission so i'm just putting that out there right now <laughs> I just put. Uh, I just rolled on the podcasting channel, and there's five topics that came up. <laughs> I don't know if they're, you know, like like last week, right? It, they didn't pick any of them, but I rolled anyway. <laughs> hey, does anybody here ever listen to any of the um, Paul's Security Weekly stuff, or you know? Uh, okay. I used uh, to. I I actively avoid anything that works around the concept of security. Oh well. <laughs> One thing I, mean, I like about it. I know a lot about seams and limb, but I really do not enjoy like security. Like that's oh, yeah. that's just not fun to me. Of course, that has nothing to do with the question. But what well, they have there is they always ask whoever's on, like, "Hey, here are these five questions. You answer them, right?" Yeah. And um, 
obviously we could have ours more monitoring centric. Like what's the first monitoring system, Zach, you ever worked on? Uh, com, uh, batch file. Wow. <laughs> like VB script batch file. Wow. I, so mine was HP open view. <laughs> Talk about yeah. it. I hate it so Been much. There. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, what's up gold was so wonderful. Um, yeah, I've done I've done HP OpenView, What's Up Gold. I've done PRTG, Nagios. Um, mm. I've done that's a, a lot. That might be one of the yeah. questions we could ask people. Yeah, I First I was time. actually talking, uh, and I didn't get to talk to Kevin about this last week uh, in between you know sessions, but and and I think Matt and Jeremy and and Paul, if you've been listening, right? I think it's pretty obvious that Team B has a has a uh, an addiction to to talking and uh, <laughs> off topic. <laughs> um, I feel like we might want to look at and maybe you know this week might not be the best time to start it just because oh, we're yeah. springing it right. But I think it would make sense to do you know like people take turns doing moderation moderating. You know what I mean? Just Sounds like good. one of us has to take control and say this is. And I don't think we have to do that, right? It's just an idea. But uh, I think that sounds like a great idea. I think I we kinda, the idea I think is I, structure. I, I hate structure outside of work, but I feel like we might need it, or we're never going to get less than ninety minutes. Yeah, and and that would be good. As a matter of fact, sixty minutes it would be even better. Well, Paul, you're not invited anymore. <laughs> hey at least the first one or the first two i got to listen to on the way to dallas and back and that's a long trip so i didn't mind yeah <laughs> i'm about to drive down your way in a couple of weeks for uh taking the kids to sea world and all that and Ooh. i'm sitting here like man i i have not done that drive in years and i really don't want to do it again <laughs> well then take all the back roads there's past- literally no back roads it's 35 <laughs> what, well, no, wait where, where you what part of austin you live in i live in fort worth dude Oh yeah, you're you're burned. Sorry. <laughs> like I can do back roads by paying twenty three dollars to go on the toll road around Austin. I guess I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I was thinking maybe I thought you for some reason you were in Austin. At least you no, were. No, no. If I was, I'd go like you know through Leander and stuff. But yeah, or go through Wimberley. Yeah. No, I mean we might, and the kids are like five and four. Man, they're not going to put up with that. Nope. Once they're old enough to like be texting the whole time, then we'll start doing scenic again. Okay. If they're still so, texting at that age. So was that is that six or seven? Just checking. I mean, given technology and all that. Yeah, my kids are not going to have cell phones. I mean, I don't care. I'll pick that hill to die on until they are old enough to start doing things on their own without us. They're not going to have phones. So we're going to tackle all five of these tonight, or we're going to go three? No, or- no. I mean, it's usually what we've done because we're so disorganized is right. Two seconds before hitting record, we try and pick a topic. Okay. Unless you're Jeremy and then you start an hour and a half before and still don't pick a topic. I don't know. I was listening to the Brexit talk earlier. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I I am kind of upset. I wasn't there for that because I've legitimately asked Jez like 10 times to explain Brexit to me. And he keeps telling me that, Oh, you don't want to get me started? I'm like, no, literally, I do. I don't have any idea what you guys are doing over there, and I want someone to tell me. Mm. And then, you know, I think it's just, like, too emotional. <laughs> He's just, he gets, like, wound up thinking about talking about it. 
And then my cat died. Yeah, right. So I will say that any of those are pretty good topics, I think. I mean, I think any of us could speak to those. Um, the Swickle one, I, I feel like maybe that one needs a bit more planning, though. Like it. Yeah, it's like structure. Be, yeah, it's too easy to be. I get it. <laughs> That's funny. Structured query language jokes. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't really a joke, but now I think about it, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I really need to that soundboard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think we should have a primer to Swickle before we get into it, really. I mean, if we were going to go that route, just in terms of what it covers. Submitted that as my uh, request for papers or call for papers or whatever for Flat Camp is to do a, you know, welcome to the wonderful world of Swickle. Like, this is what an entity is. This is why you don't need joins. You know, that kind of thing. That sounds great. It really does. I think that, I mean, I feel like, like, not kidding, right? I feel like that a lot of people who do this kind of work have a fairly basic rudimentary understanding of SQL and the idea of Swickle scares them. And it's like, no, no, it's really just that easy, guys. Let's just get past that little hump and you'll all be, you know, super chill with it. You know, there's there's a equivalent <laughs> other side, though, which is the people who either A, um, can do enough through the GUI that it's not the end of the world to them. I mean, let's face it. SolarWinds has abstracted the GUI in a decent way for a lot of stuff. Or on the other side, they literally don't really know the coding, like you said. And it's like, this sounds daunting, but maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah. And I think that it's just, you know, fear of the unknown, right? Like we could, we could all probably learn something new, but we've got so many other things in front of us at all times. It's kind of daunting to add to the plate. I mean, everyone knows my, my affinity for using uh, Apple products. So like, I want my stuff really, really simple. And if it's too fiddly, like I, I'll probably just go away from it because I'm sp I'll still be faster through the GUI. Sure. Right. But if like, but if like we could, if, if those topics can kind of be crunched and condensed down that like we can create a, a number of very small wins, then, then, you know, I can kind of fall into that and start building that into my everyday. But like without that, it's like, Oh, there's that big thing and all those unknowns. And I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't like, I don't like the dark zones. <laughs> All right, we need to start recording and talk about something because it's eight twelve. All right, have, uh, a, have a mandatory custom property. What kind of stuff do you make people fill out, and where do you use it, and where does that come up for you? People, this is the start of the discussion. <laughs> uh, so, for an example, for me is. I have a custom property on alerts that's mandatory that basically says this alert is mine that I literally call uh, responsible party. And yeah, there's no way I'm ever going to let people bypass that. Otherwise, the alert gets deleted. Now, do you have a job that runs daily and deletes alerts that are missing that custom property? Employment is a nice thing. I would rather keep that part. I don't think that would end very well with other people, let's be honest. Um, that's fair. I, uh, I I tend to be very strict about those things. I don't know if that is 
I think a lot of that strictness is probably more in uh, uh, what do you call it? In you know, you're, you're I'm, I'm more talk, less walk. You know what I mean? Like, I would really love to, you know, prove that you know, nobody can ever go outside of a standard ever, but that is absolutely not the case. And we all know that, right? Like there's, there's nothing that, so there's true. nothing that forces compliance like non-compliance. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, right? We, we want to make rules and we want to make things mandatory, you know? And I think that before we go too much deeper, right, let's just clarify for the, for people uh, in inside of the Orion platform, there is a concept of a mandatory custom property um, where you can, you know, mark a custom property as uh, quote unquote mandatory slash required or whatever. And, right. Like cap, capital M mandatory. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. On this page without filling that in or, or um radio button selecting one of the choices or something exactly right and i think that one thing we want to uh clarify right is i don't know that we're specifically talking about capital m mandatory tonight i think uh you know for me personally i'm definitely not i do not use mandatory custom properties just because of um historically they have had a (laughs) had a weird issue when it comes to drop downs um, so I do, I am, I'm very big on using drop downs on my custom properties so I can, you know, have data validation because with our automations and stuff, right. Typos kill that kind of thing. And, Insert um, the, the, the preach gif right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it, when they first came out and it, to be fair, right. We just upgraded, uh, I don't know, four days ago to the latest versions of, the Orion platform modules we own. So things could be ch- changed. I haven't quite gotten around the look yet, but when they did come out and then the platform we were on before, uh, which was platform 2017.x, um, what would happen is if you had a mandatory on a dropdown custom property, you could skip selecting anything and it would just default to the first option in the dropdown. Ouch. Yep. And, and, uh, I remember when I was consulting, I used to have a little trick I would do where on every single custom property I made for drop downs, I would put like underscore broken. And basically, right, because of the special character at the front, it would be the default value. And so it would, uh, I could then, you know, have a daily report that would go to the Orion admins that would say, you know, these are the, the nodes or, or objects, right, interfaces, volumes, whatever, with you know, quote unquote, broken custom properties or broken values. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things, but I do, before we started throwing the, the mandatory word around, right, because there's that ambiguity to it. I just wanted to clarify that real quick because I, for one, uh, do not use the capital M mandatory. I'm curious if you guys do. And if you do, I'm curious how that's working for you. There is a way I've had that work positively, which is opposite of what I was talking about with the alert, which is if you do that with the only other thing that is but isn't a drop down, which is a true false value for basically flagging things as prod, then by default, everything's going to fall into non prod so that if you add a bunch of stuff, it's not going to fall into your alerting buckets right away. Sure. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I like that. We use... uh... I'd like to say we use prod and non-prod. That's like how, 
you know, it would be easy, but we have what prod stage QA development test lab, right? Like six of those mean the same thing. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> that's, that's a different topic. Yeah, exactly. The, the whole point is you're really using it to basically say, do I want to alert on this or not? And by default, exactly. So that yeah. at the end of the day, it's not like, hey, I, I just ran a discovery. I added 200 servers. And well, oh, well, why am I getting all these alerts now? What's going on here? So I'm curious, right? Maybe Jeremy or Paul, maybe you want to pitch in, right? But I would default to saying I would want my alerts by default. I want the noise, right? I want to know. I, I, I like to play it safe. You know what I mean? So if someone accidentally adds a prod device and forgets to do custom properties, let's make sure we have some basic alerts on that no matter what. And if we want to remove those alerts, then we'll do that later. Right. But I, I'd rather have a ticket come in than and, and, you know, not really care as much than not have the ticket come in. That was a customer impacting event. I'm, I'm going to put my Leon hat on and say, well, it depends. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> Paul, Paul, do you want to go first? Pick well, a side, Jeremy. Actually, I can go the other way. So, no, we don't have any of them mandatory. It's a relatively small shop, about 900 total monitored devices. So we don't have 10,000 polars and anything else crazy. Um, but what we do is we scan inside the data centers uh, looking for things people built that didn't tell us about. Uh, and uh, what mystery things were built and what happens then is they show up as unknowns and when they show up as unknowns we go make them known you know you built this thing go go fill out the proper paperwork inside uh, our um, paperwork system that we have so it's we know where that status is on that machine and then go ahead and uh, go ahead and fill in all the proper fields inside the system. So if this is, let's say, at a at a branch location, at a, a store, then you want to have that store code into everything that's in that store because we've got um, uh, dynamic queries that happen. They go and pick that up and automatically put it in the right groups and put it on the right spot on the map and everything else. So I have, you know, one dot on the map, multiple items underneath it, Anything that happens there, that lights up. I know, and everyone else knows, we might be having an issue there that we need to take care of. Really simple stuff. Uh, nothing complicated. So if you want simplicity, probably the better guy for that stuff. Um, so I'm insane. Uh, so I kind of, I, I use uh, a bunch. Um, so I have had success with and without. So I have a couple... Uh, core properties that are capital M mandatory that I'm a little bit of a stickler about because um, it's just me. So I have to keep some semblance uh, of understanding of who's doing what in something and, and try and put some rails up uh, because uh, I have uh, at least four to five teams with their, their, their hands in the cookie jars and, and they all have radically different business processes about how they do things and how they leverage monitoring for their team's own business processes. Um, and everybody thinks that it's their own little world when in reality it, it's not. <laughs> it is your world. I mean, it is, even it if, is one even enterprise if world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if everyone's completely different, right? At least they all have their own standards. 
Well, uh, and that, that goes back to the, <laughs> you know that goes back to the discussion we had at Rocco's when Rocco was trying to figure out. So y'all all work for the same company? No. Y'all all do the same type of business? No. We all monitor our business in very unique ways with the same platform of software. And yeah, so I, I mean. I kind of like Jeremy's idea, though, of like the other reason to have a mandatory custom property is to kind of like keep yourself honest and make and like make sure you're not missing the things you need. I guess. I mean, I can see the Zach side where it's like, yeah, when you're in a mature environment, unlike, you know, all of everybody else. But, <laughs> you know, I, I can see where you wouldn't want to do it at that point. But I could see as you're establishing standards or something that maybe up front you want to have something be mandatory. And then as it gets accepted and people are responsible for it maybe then you'd be like yeah we don't need this mandatory anymore and and a lot of it in my environment comes down to right because my environment has a very strong dichotomy between understanding that there's a difference between monitoring and there's a difference between alerting and that the alerting is a product of the monitoring that you do right so so they as soon as they have something and it goes into the monitoring system, they want their alerts, right? So, so some of the alerts are built, you know, very to key in on those custom properties. So, uh, I think there's a more than I'm comfortable with misconceptions about people thinking that it's in and their alerts are automatically applying to things when, in reality, it may not necessarily be that way. And of course, each of one of those uh, business sectors uh, have different alerts <laughs> so it's it's uh, scatterbrained i'm sorry uh <laughs> love it so out of the 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 standards you're building and you're because you've come on to like you know be the monitoring guy matt so what what have you brought in to you know solve all the the world's problems in uh, the downtown streets of chicago I know this has certainly been a thing of interest to you because I'm like basically stepping into your shoes a year behind you kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, I basically, the, the only things I've done so far is establish a monitoring standard for review. Like I said, okay, if people want to bring something in the system, here's our vehicle for that. And here's the multiple roads that can go from, you know, one to four stages of monitoring, which are basically their their standard, you know. So it's like, OK, you have your tier one highest applications or in some places where tier one is lowest, you know, to, to tier four kind of thing. And then I was like, well, you need continual review. And then you want people that have a choice to say, no, I don't want this monitored uh, because, of course, you want to monitor just not right now. So. Therefore, there's a review process in there of like every 30 days, 60 days, 90 days thing. So I kind of laid out that. Beyond that is still kind of, um, I'm still kind of peeling back the onion on letting people actually see what there is to monitoring in the first place. I mean, it is super nascent there. And um, I don't remember where you're at on acquisitions, but they said they did 30 not acquisitions, 30 M&As last year, going to triple that this year. So wow, uh, frameworks are going to have to happen. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, it, it's it's going to be bigger than a one-man project, and I'm still in the baby stages of I have one app server and one DB, and by one DB, I mean I have two DBs on one SQL server, so I have NTA and NPM on on one db until they actually build it out 
which they just submitted the money today. So things are have gone faster than my previous environment, I can say, with, with happiness, but I have no idea what I'm going to standardize first when I've only gotten some service accounts and I've only gotten little bits. It's like, here, we need to standardize and and, you know, I'm just trying to document the process to you. So it can be like, look, these are out of the box alerts I turned off. Here's why I'm adding these custom properties. Here's why. So that they can hopefully follow up on that later and be like, oh, yeah, OK. You know, not just why am I not getting it over on this back to the Leon Adato four questions thing there? You know, why did I not get an alert on this? Sure. I think it's, <laughs> it's interesting, though, right? Like you're you're at a situation where, you know, the years you've had kind of you know, mastering your craft, right? Now you get to, to put it in practice and somewhat, you know, mold a, a monitoring strategy for an enterprise, you know, to your own designs and frameworks. And that's, uh, for me at least, right? That was always one of the most fun things, you know, it's one of the, the, the peaks of you know nerding out about what we do is being able to take all this data that we collect in our heads over the years and just dump it and you know kind of create something that uh hopefully right our 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 peers in the industry and our you know people that cut our paychecks appreciate you know so do you guys use like a, in 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 keeping in with like a framework mindset do you guys have your own frameworks that you like have documented and that you follow every time or is that more of like a case by case because of the business that you're in Zach probably makes these by by night and day I've only done that on this job in my last one but I did save my framework and send it to people and I was trying to sanitize a version of it for non specifically this company so that anybody could leverage it. I just didn't post it yet, but I gave it to some SolarWinds people too. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, we do, you know, best effort, right? Like the goal is to, you know, between the three of us that are on the monitoring team, right. To take our combined decades upon decades of experience and, and, mistakes and successes and come up with a standard that, you know, meets the needs of the business and et cetera. Right. But the reality is um, not everybody agrees, you know, and, and at the end of the day, in a situation like ours, where we have a, a legitimate monitoring team that you know, focuses specifically on data analysis and monitoring, um, we have, you know, the, the people that receive the alerts are our customers. Right. And so, it, most times we are um, kind of consultants in a way, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we present our professional opinions and, you know, buzzword best practices. And um, at the end of the day, the customer either agrees or they don't, you know? Now I will say that that being said, it is extremely important to us to ensure that application teams especially um, are enabled and encouraged to you know kind of help own that monitoring strategy for themselves so they're you know what they what we monitor for them what we alert on what we report on is meaningful right we don't want to waste anyone's time and we don't want to 
create false positives and you know all the all the things we talk about every week right we we do try to be mindful of that and because of that creating a an enterprise level standard is almost impossible right i think the the limit is you know by default we're going to monitor and alert on everything that's in production I would love to say that's 100%, but there's exceptions to even that rule, you know, and um, it's hard, you know, I, I think as a monitoring engineer, you know, people that are in charge of monitoring platforms in any organization can probably agree that the hardest part of our job has nothing to do with technology and 100% to do with business. I, I find that hilarious coming from you when you say that, um, that you let Josh do more of the soft skills. And it makes me wonder where you feel about that, given you're being more suited to the technical side of things. Uh, I mean, I get it, right? Just, I'm not, so I'm good at soft skills. I don't enjoy soft skills. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if, if given the opportunity, right, I'm gonna let my Canadian counterpart be Canadian. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can shine shoes with the best of them, man. I can turn anything shiny and, and make, make someone buy it. But I, I don't do it as eloquently. And I think one of the real, real um, strengths of our, of our team, right? There's only three of us is that each one of us has a very unique skill set that is widely different from the others. Like we're, we're a really nice Venn diagram, right? Like we've got that core, that overlaps you know over some of the basic core things that we all agree on but then we also have you know the majority of our skill sets are widely different which as a whole makes us a very uh well orchestrated and holistic team and so you know while i'm not you know mr soft skills i can do it and i understand and, and respect the the you know the business cases for for the you know the things we do what i what i'm really not good at right is the money stuff is is i don't i don't care much about why things cost anything i actually you know, funny enough i made josh make a new slack channel this week just so i didn't have to listen to money anymore so he has to go there and talk about money now <laughs> he's not doing it right he, i mean he's you know he, i'm not his boss and even if i was he wouldn't do what i told him to but <laughs> which good on him right nobody should do what i tell him to do but um yeah, I mean, that's like, I, I just, the money stuff just puts me to sleep. It, it, I have, you put dollar signs in front of me, and if it's not part of my checking account, I just don't care. I, I think it gets weird, too, because if you're not around it all the time, you have no knowledge of whether the money is huge or tiny or whatever. I mean, right, for that's, some people, $400,000 sounds huge, and other companies, 400000 is like, that's it? Is mm -hmm. that all you need? Okay, we're gonna send that off right now. We've got six million dollars in our budget. Wow. And that those are real scenarios that I've had in both instances where I had one where they said, Well, we need things as cheap as you can and get us the cheapest prices you can, and then signed off on sticker price. I had one that said, I've got six million dollars to blow. You just put whatever you can in there and I'll give you some. And I had another that said, Well, we know we can get it cheaper, so get the cheapest you can, but don't worry about price. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when they told us the price of NSX, we were just like, no, my bank could have to get loan money from it, get money for a loan from another bank to pay for that. So <laughs> <laughs> on the flip side, 
the, the, the flip side to it is you don't always hear what other people's things are costing them because they're all, I don't know, very protective of it too, where it's like, hey, here's my silo. I can't tell you what it costs me to keep up my silo because you're going to find a way to do it cheaper. Nice. Okay. It's like the, the, you know, the cheap, fast, and good Venn diagram, right? Like, yep. just depends on who's coming to ask you for something on, on which, which part of that you go with. I think I'm in the middle of that diagram right now, and they're like, we want all three, and I'm like, you can't have all three, and they're like, no, 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 we're going to have all three, and I'm going, no, you, you're really not, I promise you. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's where you need someone who's not as strong in the, in the soft skills, right? Because I'll just say no. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and Josh, to his credit, right, is the one who pinned the phrase in our organization that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> wow. It, it really is a balance, and I'm with Zach on that because I'm fulfilling all of those at the moment between the soft skills and the tech side and while i relish all of that because i was not as good a scripter as i need to be and it's fun to get in on that stuff like there are times where i focused more on the soft skills than i should and then people are like yeah you you could have just told me no you don't have to just you know try to figure it out later and be nice about it they're like just tell me no you cannot do this and we will move on yeah. and i'm like shit okay <laughs> I think if we ever do a fundraiser, that singular quote might be perfect for like an enamel pin or a sticker or a shirt. No is a complete sentence. Absolutely. How do you expect that to be? I love that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh... Kind of going off what you said and what I said, kind of comparatively, right? I, I, I it just dawned on me, or just a, appeared to me that, um, you know, the grass is always greener, right? Like, there's a lot of us that uh, don't really realize when we're in the middle of it. Sometimes we don't realize how good we've got it, you know, and and it is an extremely lucky and um, you know, in some cases, blessed existence to be able to be on a team of people who are, uh, you know, leave their egos at the door when we come to work, but also aren't afraid to stand up for conviction and have, um, you know, such widely different skill sets because we really need those checks and balances, right? Like, I, I know for a fact that I need someone that will be able to just tell me to, you know, you know, go on mute, they'll handle it from here. You know what I mean? But to be fair, right? I know for a fact that I'm also an extremely valuable member of a team that can, you know, come up with some fairly interesting ways of, of working around technical problems, given the chance. And having to do all of that by yourself is somewhat exhausting and i think companies are a little bit worse off for leaving monitoring tools to singular engineers i think jeremy you might feel that pressure a lot as well um, <laughs> i mean I, jeremy doesn't know what pressure is but if they're if he did he might feel it i i think this is a good segue i'm gonna go i'm gonna go into my rant now it's not really gonna be a rant i promise <laughs> so um I, I had a, a, a small uh, incident today with, with a coworker. Um, and, and so this the, uh, incident is probably the wrong word, but, but so this started as a discussion 
just about understanding that there had been there had been some changes made, um, and, and there were some things that I needed for the monitoring portion of it, of which is the the centerpiece of my role, um, to, to to make some updates. And and it looked like from what I was seeing, the the nodes that were being removed and the um, the application monitoring that was obviously going away raised questions about you know okay well. Did we are we not doing that anymore, or did we get something else, or did we add something to something else? Just just very generic questions about it, right? Sure. So I try, so I tried to get some of this information over email, uh, and that was multiple people. Uh, everyone was reticent about sharing this information. I don't know why. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so so then and right and this is all just like super generic stuff. Like I'm not uh, I wasn't asking for in depth information. Like let's let's start with we got rid of some nodes. What nodes replaced them? Let's start there, right? And what are they called? Who makes them? And let's talk about grouping them together. That's that was really the basis of it, right? So so I I called a meeting, I invited them in, and you know basically said this will just be kind of a roundup about what these things are, and then you know we'll kind of key off from there. Um, so I kind of started there, and unfortunately, um, one of one of the the gentlemen that I worked with um, really just kind of went down a rabbit hole very very quickly about that they have their own first party monitoring for uh, for these things. They don't understand why I need to know this information. They don't understand why Orion has anything to do with these things. Um, and it ended up being uh, probably a 20 to 25 minute conversation of me going like, I understand your position. Um, I'm not looking to add, change, or modify. I'm just kind of seeking information at this point, and I'm probably just going to group some of these devices together uh, in, in commonly named uh, groups or containers so that we kind of understand what those things are because that's that's part of your job and what you're responsible for, and I need your knowledge to kind of put that into Orion so we can kind of look at it. They were already well down the line of of, of now, from from my perspective, of being overly concerned that I was attempting to replace uh, everything that they already had, which was not the case. And unfortunately, they took such a, a tone intact uh, with me during the meeting that it made me uncomfortable. Um, and they felt the need to continue to say, I'm not trying to be difficult, but um, and I think that phrase was uttered maybe four to five times <laughs> throughout the course of the meeting. I can't remember where I heard this, but there was someone or something that I had heard at one point that says, you know, whenever someone says but in the middle of a sentence, they don't care about anything they said before that. <laughs> I, think wow. I, I think I also heard that. Um, so so that uh, that kind of took the wind out of my sails for most of the day to day. Um, I, I still didn't receive the information I was seeking. Um, I'm still waiting for that information because they eventually circled back around and said they were going to give it to me. Um, that was many tens of hours ago. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm curious to and and now so I said all that to say please be respective of your coworkers. Um, if you feel like you're being emotional about something, that's probably a good thing because that probably means that you care about something. But please consider how that is going to be perceived by the person you are working with. Uh, I think they will probably appreciate that. Uh, and so to turn that out to the group, I'm curious if any of you have had any situations like that and maybe how you dealt with it and, and maybe you, that can inform me about how I could better deal with that, that sort of uh, situation.
Sure. I'm going to let Paul answer that first because I'm not the oldest person here anymore. Wow. Thanks. So <laughs> uh, I'm not known for my best social skills. Um, I've done well in those situations and I've done pretty, very poorly in those situations. Um, you know, how to get someone to come around to your, I need this for my job. I, I really do. Uh, I need this for my, this information for my job. Sometimes it, it's better just to back off, come back at it the next day or have your boss talk to their boss and explain why this is needed. You know, I, it, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You always try and do it directly first, right? You all, you don't want to escalate at all first. Unfortunately, sometimes it just doesn't work. Um, and, and, once again, I, I don't have the best personality for that to resolve these things as simply as other people seem to be able to do. Um, so uh, de-escalate the best you can and can let them know. Out there, yeah. Paul, can I just say, like, you know, in our interactions we've had, this sentence or this little snippet that you're giving me is like blowing my mind. Like you, really? have, you have consistently between yourself and Tom. Right, have come off as like two of the most charismatic MVPs in the entire armada. I'm glad I've been able to put up that persona. Yeah, but... no, it, it totally blows my mind. I'm just like, no, Paul's the one that's going to teach us everything, guys. Everybody, be quiet and listen. <laughs> no, I, I wish I could. I mean, if, if you want to find out exactly really bad examples of doing things, I am the guy. Uh, I learn through bad examples of things that I do generally. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I, and, I learned how to be a yeah. firefighter through being an arsonist. I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's, it's difficult. I mean, I uh, I have done my best to try and come across from some things, you know. And the problem is some of the things – I know is a really good thing to do is not exactly anything that's simple to do these days. Right. I mean, uh, today I had a conversation about privacy, right. And I'm thinking if we were a privacy centric organization and we touted that right now, before anybody started doing a legislation in the United States, before the NIST document comes out in November of this year and all this other stuff, if we could, Bend our 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 organization to be privacy centric. Put out the ad saying, if you want privacy in finance, this is the place to come, right? And when I talked to one guy who's, who's a senior VP, he was like grinning ear to ear. Yes, I would put my money in that place. And just about everybody else, because his job is so different than everybody else's, were like, oh well, um, yeah, I, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, don't you think it would be like a really cool deal? It's like, yeah. hey, I guarantee you, we're going to keep your stuff. We're not going to track you over the internet. We're not going to do Google Analytics. We're not going to do all this other stuff that all these other companies are doing. But once again, the concept's perfect in my brain. I there's just no way I could get that across to anybody. <laughs> that that once I want my dashboard, man, my dashboard that tells me how many people were getting into the place. You know that sure. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I get it. So I'm curious, Matt, with the new job, because I know you had a, one or two conflicts in the old and, and I think we've all had you know conflicts at work. So that's not anything new or or poignant. But I, I'm wondering how it's come 
how it's been going along being the new guy, right? Like, you know, everybody is kind of tiptoeing at first, trying to feel it out, see who goes where. Have you settled yet? Is, is everybody realized who you are and that you're actually a vegan? I'm so, uh, before <laughs> I get to that point, let me, let me tell you, before I expose that part, let, let me take a step back and say about the uh, Paul idea here, which is um, I've had some particularly uh, out there scenarios like that too, um, where it's, it's not been great, but I've, never really let myself spot off on other people. I don't want to go into a full meditation rant here, but, you know, recognizing how you feel is kind of important. It's not so much what happens in the moment, because if you're going to screw up, you're going to screw up. If you have a bad day, either you're going to screw up yourself or you're going to screw up someone else, which will screw you as well. So you can't magically not have that happen if you've already had a bad day slated for yourself. But you certainly can at least man up later or apologize or be clear. But obviously, if you're the one who screwed up in the first place, you're going to be the one who's opening up and taking the hit for the mistake you made. Now, in the new environment, I had a very hilarious scenario. Because when I walked in the door, uh, my manager basically was somebody familiar with SolarWinds. And he was like, here's Matt. He's going to be the monitoring guy. And I'm like, crap, this is not not going to be a good sign, you know, because um, you know what happens when you're called the monitoring guy. Mm-hmm. That, that's not a good yeah. start. That's like you are the guy that presses the on button on this thing over here. You know, before you even get to what you're actually doing, your skills and all that. So I was a big concern, but he's actually been pretty good. And I've been kind of trying to lay low while just kind of hinting at things because I didn't really have the environment ready. I mean, literally, I, I went from Orion 2014 and I was actually starting to slightly, slightly make things work okay with that. Stockholm Syndrome is real, guys. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, then they're like, hey, we got you those, those first servers. You can start spinning it up. And I'm like, and that was the moment where I stopped. Like, completely stop. This is that other thing I say about knowing how you feel that was taught to me the hard way, which uh, is, I believe, the military phrasing, which is hurry up and, what, what is it, hurry up and wait? Or government. Or, or hurry yeah. up to wait. The, <laughs> yeah, the hurry, up, hurry up and wait, yep. Yes, because I was, like, waiting to install SolarWinds, and I'm like, so we talked about some modules, and there are some things you purchased, but you haven't purchased the other stuff yet, so what do you want to do? So I literally left it at that point where it's like, so which modules? I left it there for like two days. And then they finally gave me an answer. And I'm like, okay, now I can I can start, you know, telling people, hey, here's this stuff coming. Here's here's some things we can do. And the response has been ecstatic, but it definitely kind of slingshotted off of not shoving it in people's faces, which is kind of where I was before. <laughs> I mean, before it was totally like, look, you guys aren't doing anything here, and here's what I have for you. And it's it's really the environment. It's really not a company. It's really not my perspective. It's what environment are you given? Are you given an environment for success, or are you banging your head against other things? I mean, I've had two environments now that have been very heavy on the politics where I was exposed to it, and I was blamed for it, and I was expected to know it. 
So by the time I came here, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm walking on eggshells. I will let my boss handle things to go up the chain and ask him if, if I'm stepping on people's toes before I do stuff. Even though literally before I came in here, they're like, we are very hands-on and we are very go-hung and, you know, just go ahead and do it. And then when nice. I talked to a guy here who basically encouraged me to do that stuff and said, yeah, go ahead and install all the solar winds things you want and go put in a trial. And, you know, when they see what you're doing with it, they're totally going to pay for it. And the first thing I thought was this guy's freaking crazy and that will get me fired. <laughs> well, we want to know, did From it work? The same company. Did you do it? Did it work? Nope. I waited. I told oh. my boss and he said, yeah, that guy's crazy and uh, you can wait. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Done. You know, it's funny for me is, is a lot of um, my ability to be successful at a particular job really was dependent on my boss and their boss. Um, so my boss could be great. Their boss could be not so great. And it kind of not so great comes down. But if I had a great boss and the boss maybe above them, maybe not so great, it doesn't matter. I'm insulated and, and they are doing a great job making sure I'm successful and making sure the business is, is successful. And I've had a, a number of different bosses over the years where I've seen the full gambit of it. Right. Uh, I've been uh, at my current location for 21 years. So Having a good or great direct report that truly understands how to keep you motivated and busy is much better than um, somebody that's like maybe not so encouraging and stuff. So uh, I'm 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 pretty excited about the current administration, everything I'm working for now. Um, I can't say that a few years ago. Right. Um, but but right now things uh, are, are moving pretty good, though. Bit crazy, but moving pretty good. <laughs> also, I want to shout out to that book that I linked there called uh, Throwing the Elephant, Zen and the Art of Managing Up. This is not a Buddhist book at all, oh, but cool. it is a fantastic book about managing your manager. And I finished reading it on my last job, and I applied on this one, and it's fantastic. Hmm. Thank you. I'll put that in the audio book. Hello, Audible. <laughs> it's so easy oh, you'll, to do. You'll love that. It's even got, I think, the British accent and whatnot too. So Ooh. you'll have lots of fun. Mm. Yeah, I am. I am pretty much addicted to any audiobook with a British accent. I listen to uh, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit series on uh, audiobook, and it was uh, both narrated by I don't know his name, but a you know a. a, a gentleman so, with an extremely nice uh british accent and very deep baritone voice it was just like liquid sunshine man it was amazing it's not the guy that does the harry potter books is it i don't know i've i have uh funny enough i've never read i've watched everyone multiple times i've never read any of the harry potters and at this point i'm holding off until my kids are you know old enough to kind of you know be be mature enough to handle it and we're going to read it all together i think nice uh no it's not uh rob ingles inglis inglis uh looks like he does the hobbit fellowship two towers yeah Return, it is Return of the king if uh, you ever find it at your library grab it because it, it, it's just amazing 
I was very, very happy that I found out that my library has some of those like uh, media services apps. They have like a comic book one, a book one, and a, an audio book one, and movie one. And I was like, ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Ours has the same. And our we're lucky that like so we live um, in uh, in the you know the city limits of, of Fort Worth, but we're next to a smaller town. Uh, called Keller, but the libraries have a partnership, so we can go to you know the library that's two blocks away instead of having to drive all the way to the, to the bigger city ones. And nice. yeah, they have um, all that kind of stuff, right? They have the, um, the audiobook stuff. They have the, the I think it's Dark Horse Comics or something like that. If you want to get into that stuff, they have ebook subscription services, and then they also in in office, one thing that my wife and I and my kids have really gotten into are these things called playaways that are um, basically, you know, they're, you have to have, you know, old school headphones, right, with an actual plug, not those crazy AirPods that Jeremy likes. But, um, yeah, fancy, right? Like, you know, we, we use wires where we come from, boy. <laughs> you probably bought the new ones that just came out yesterday. Gosh darn right I did. <laughs> Nailed it. Knew it. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, they're they're books on tape, you know, they're audio books, but they're in these tiny little like first generation iPod looking things, and um, you just you know throw a AAA battery in it and go, and they're awesome, right? They're they're it's cool because you uh, we plug them into the auxiliary port on the car and let the kids listen to whatever you know. Uh, Stephen King book they want to listen to that week, you know, at four and five years old. Yeah, my cats can't operate those things, so they they really miss out. <laughs> so I'm not going to directly reference that book, Zach, but I highly strongly recommend the Samuel L. Jackson version for you. Oh yeah, I've already, I've yeah, we've we have that. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that hit YouTube about the time that my wife was pregnant with the first one, and we. We were just like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, anyway, uh, so the kind of going back to what you were asking about, though, Jeremy, I think that one of the things that I've run into, and I, you know, admittedly, right, I've probably been this person like years ago when I was younger. Um, I came from the military, right, from coming out of the Marines where, you know, PC culture wasn't a thing. You know what I mean? It's very, um, you know, at that time, at least, I, I can't speak for now, but it was frowned upon, right? Like being PC, it was more apt to, you know, see what you could do to find chinks in your friend's armor and pick at it and, you know, who could be the most offensive, right? Like that was kind of, you know, the world that we lived in. And, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, right? It was what it was. And Right. Well, that, that's a little bit tribalism, though, right? And that's yeah, yeah how, exactly. How that organization kind of functions in some facets. Exactly, right? And, it, and at some, you know, macro level, it potentially could be argued that it's necessary, right, to to create those bonds through hardship. But right. that's, you know definitely not what we need in our office day-to-day -day jobs, right? So, <laughs> um, you know, so I think that, you know, coming out of that, I, I I had some situations where, you know, I would take back and change if I could, right? Because, you know, I treated uh, some people, uh, I don't think aggressively or 
in a way that they would probably even remember today. You know what I mean? But it's just mm-hmm. things like, you know, you say something to someone and you you see that recognition in their eye and you don't see it at the time. Right. But when you think back on it, you think, man, I was I was really a jerk to that 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 person that day, you know, and and they didn't deserve that. You know, they've got their own life. They've got their own, you know, goals and aspirations. They've got their boss driving them in their own direction. And, you know, don't bring that junk to work. And um, luckily, I caught that in in my opinion at a fairly uh, young age in my career. And I, I do strive today to, to actively, you know, not be that person. And one of the, the things that I just have a hard nose on is um, I don't put up with that. I, I do not abide a bully. I do not like workplace bullies. I don't like anyone that's going to be in a professional setting and act like they're going to be better or smarter or talk down to anyone or yell someone down. And it, you know, like when you were kind of telling your story about what happened today, it was like kind of getting my blood pressure a little bit. I'm like, I need to go talk to that guy. He shouldn't be mean to Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, and you know, maybe it's white knight syndrome, who knows. Right. But it just bugs me. Right. It's, it's not okay. Right. And it's, it's something that we're all adults. We all get paid to do a job. Um, You know, none of us own these companies. Right. And even if you do, right, we're all humans. Um, and, and we definitely should be treating each other with a basic mediocre of respect, right? And we have to, we have to work each with each other after tomorrow. And even if we don't, right, there's nothing about you that makes you better than anybody else or me, you know, I'm not better than anybody else. You know, nobody's better than me type thing, right? We're on a fairly equal playing ground and whether or not you agree with that at some point doesn't matter, right? Like it, it doesn't quite matter if you agree that everyone's at your level. What matters is, you know, how they perceive your interactions with them. And, um, and I think if we can wrap our heads around that and start realizing that, you know, what we think isn't really that big of a deal. Um, it's really what, you know, how other people perceive us and not that, you know, we have to be popular, but, you know, if I, if I think that, um, you know, me and me and Matt have like a, a a give and take back and forth relationship and like Jake and I have this really big, right? We talk so much smack to each other. It would it would make a, a, a sailor blush to see some of our conversations on Slack on the DM side, right? Would I ever <laughs> say that to a person in a public setting in a professional world? No, because you know, other people around you, their perception matters. It matters to your career and it matters to people's feelings as human beings. And just to think that, you know, someone that's above the age of, you know, 15, right, is going to sit there and just throw a hissy fit because, you know, somebody's going to talk about their software. Like, come on. Like that is, you know, how do you hold respect in a public situation or in a professional world if you're the guy that or the girl that throws a fit whenever someone asks a few questions in a meeting? Like seriously. Yeah, I have a real, um, and I know this is a this is like a personal professional skill gap, but so I love when when these kind of situations arise. Obviously, this is not my first rodeo. This just happened to happen today and was tangentially related to some of what we were talking about. Um, I, I always start. Uh, second uh triple quadruple checking myself and like is this me am i causing this problem uh, what did i do to to set this in motion 
uh, and trying to immediately de-escalate and try and like dump emotions, right? Because so, you know, immediately the defenses go up and, you're, you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's going to be kind of one of these interactions. And it's like, no, no, it's, it's not going to be one of those. How did we get here? And like all of that combines in the moment. And, and so I have a hard time, which is why I kind of, why I brought it up, My, uh, you know, how do you, how do you navigate these things? You know, number one, it sounds like don't get there. And then when you do, <laughs> yeah, and I would say that's probably, admittedly, right, one of my weaker areas as well, because I am, um, I try to be a very relaxed and laid back uh, co-worker, you know, like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll play hard, but I also work hard, and I don't try to take anything personally ever, but somewhat like you just said, right, if someone comes at me with that kind of negativity, like immediately, right? Like as a porcupine, right? My back bristles up. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, and I go on the defensive quickly, and it's it's very hard to to you know wind that you know to unscrew that screw when it gets tight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. that's the struggle, right, for both of us or, or for people that have the same you know reaction to that kind of conflict. Yeah, I, I I think I did pretty good, um, but I'm always second guessing, like trying to, you know, running that situation back through my head, like, all right, did I antagonize? Did I not antagonize? Did I antagonize? I don't think I did. I think I de-escalated. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere along the lines, I basically um, feel for people's emotions a little bit, but I mostly just don't let it get to me at all. And so people are like, you're the most peaceful person in the world. I'm like, no, I, I simultaneously hate everybody, but don't express it outwardly. Um, it's partially a joke and partially not. But the thing my wife taught me that was a fantastic trick is she said, everybody can complain and bitch, but not everybody comes with a solution. And that is very pointed to those types of things. You know, when somebody wants to complain about something and they just want to complain, it's like, well, what, what if you fix that? What can be done to make that better? And not everybody's the personality that will. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your ideas, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, for kind of talking that through with me. Maybe I should change this second to uh, Jeremy therapy. I like it. I mean, I'm really interested next week to hear where you hide the body. <laughs> We won't mention the other six bodies. One is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Flashbacks to Dexter. I mean, I am underground already, so I mean, I got I got that going for me. Oh my god! Do you really work in a basement? Uh, I work below a basement. Oh, Jeremy. You know, I, I enjoyed it when I worked in the basement. They got me on the third floor, like 150 yards from the equipment. I almost forget what it looks like. I actually walked through the data center today, just just so I can remember. Vitamin D matters, y'all. You got to get outside, right? Like <laughs> that's why I play dominoes at lunch. It's um, I mean, the Paul, you are you are fitting the stereotype so perfectly of the old guy in the park in New York. One of the guys at, at work started just playing about six, seven years ago, and like we just it'd rather would you would you rather then once again therapy? Would you rather go and complain about work at lunch, or would you rather go out and play dominoes? Yes. We had a small group that used to play Magic, uh, <laughs> the Gathering, at lunch, yeah. but it kind, of, it kind of fell apart. Um, I mostly try and, try and get um, try and get three miles in because the, the walking is – but, man, when it's cold, it's it's not fun. You like to walk three miles for lunch? Yep. Yeah, that's usually how I try and spend nice. – I, I try and do at least 
three days a week, but you know, when you That's lose cool. rhythm, when insanity strikes, it's, it's hard to get it back. So I've sure. been successful yeah. this week. <laughs> Good. Good. I actually played, up. played magic in high school. Um, and I, I never, uh, had money to, to buy decks or anything, but my best friend at the time, um, his stepdad just had a ridiculous amount of them, right? Like oh shoe gosh. boxes upon shoe boxes full of these things. So you and, just make your own deck from his stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, I don't think, and there was always four of us. It was the stepdad and his best friend and then my buddy and, and me, and we would meet on Monday nights and watch uh, Monday Night Raw on, on TV. Yes! And, play magic. <laughs> and it was, at the time, I didn't even realize it was nerdy, right? Like, it was... Because I didn't, you know, grow up doing nerdy things, I thought, but apparently I really did, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but, closet uh, nerd. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> like, completely, like, unaware, right? Like, had no idea. But um, it was uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but I just never got into it. And the, the barrier to entry on that, right, the, the cost of, you know, getting into it and, get, and, and starting to play again is just you know, prohibitive at some point. But... Uh, it was, it's interesting. It was always a, a good way to, you know, any kind of games like that, board games or, or dominoes or card games or anything like that, anything that you can do in the middle of your day to, to even just to walk, right. To, to listen to the birds or, you know, plow through the snow or whatever you guys do out there on the East coast. Um, it's, it's necessary. Right. And that's something that um, I think we'll probably talk about on a different cast is, um, you know, the work-life balance stuff, but it's something that for the people that I know that work from home and myself included, it's a really hard balance for us, right? Because like Paul, it's very, I don't want to say easy, but it becomes, um, it becomes easier, you know, to, to leave your office at, we'll say noon, right? And, at, you know, five days a week, as best you can, you go downstairs and you do a thing. When you work from home, it's so easy to not do that, right? Yep. It's, it, it is actively harder to force yourself into those kind of routines than it is to just stay at work. And um, and I think that's something that, you know, I, I know personally I struggle with that all the time. And if I've, I've even gotten to the point where, like, I've started to, potentially budget out like a worker space, like where you go and kind of rent office space and share with other people, you know, just to go get out yeah. of this, you know, this element every once in a while, like one day every two weeks or something even. Right. But that's a good plan. Also yeah. have a lunch on the back porch. Uh, it is flipping hot in Texas, Paul. That only works three months a year. You know that. Well, this is the month. Yeah. Right. This is it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we, what I, and I constantly tell myself to do this and I really just have to, you know, get an accountability buddy or something. But I, I, what I would, you know, in the perfect world, right. At quitting time. Um, and we'll say, you know, no matter what quitting time is, we'll say like at five fifteen, I would be outside with my kids and, you know, teaching them to ride their bikes every single day, you know, something like that to, to just force that because that kind of stuff, like even to go play Frisbee in the field or something, right? Like that kind of stuff is ridiculously cathartic, but it's so easy to not do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's extremely easy to not motivate yourself, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's the challenge a lot of times, but no, you're, you're, I, I, uh, 
we used to do that in the military. Every day at lunch, we'd play uh, either dominoes or we would play spades or we would do like horse or play, you know, two on two basketball or something like that. But um, I would play horse. I don't play basketball. I'm really bad at dribbling. <laughs> really good at horse, horrible if I have to move. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of, you know, just getting your, your brain away from what you do all day is number one, just good for your sanity, right? It's good for your work-life balance. It's good for your relationships, right? Like if you, you know, have a, a toxic coworker that hopefully none of us do, but we will, right? If you don't have one now, you're going to have one or you've had one before, sure. um, you know, there'll be the toxic worker that you work with. And, you know, it's one of those sayings, right? If you've worked 20 years in this industry and you've never had a toxic coworker, you might want to look in the mirror. Um, <laughs> you can probably shorten, shorten that year. Yeah. I'm trying to be nice. Right. But um, yeah, if you don't find the sucker at the poker table, it's you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But I think that, you know, that kind of stuff, like getting yourself out of those situations, right? Like if I, I find it constant that when I get stuck in a problem, technically just stepping away for like 20 minutes usually gets my head back into the game to where I can be like, oh, well, no wonder I've been slamming my head against the keyboard for an hour, right? I forgot to remove that comma, you know, just stupid little things like that. Or, you know, getting a perspective on the conversation I just had with that toxic employee and trying as best I can to be, you know, empathetic and see their point of view of the whole situation, right? That kind of stuff. Um, it, it's huge, right? And it's, it's so, I would say, you know, long story, long story long, right? To, to Jeremy's point, I think that that is something to, to put in the tool belt, right? Is to just recuse yourself. And I've done that and, and I've done that. I, I don't think I've had to do it at this job, um, but I have done it multiple times in previous jobs. If things get heated and I can feel that, you know, the, the, what do you call it? Like if you've ever had a really good adrenaline rush and everything kind of tastes like a penny, right? Um, yep. Same concept, right? When you get that gut feeling that you just know. I was going like, to say that, that gut punch and you're like, yeah, mm -hmm. You, you just know like things are about to go sideways, right? And it's either going to go for you or against you, but either way, it's not going to be good. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, just being able to just stand up and be like, look, uh, you know, this isn't working uh, for us right now. We're going to reconvene next week and just walk off. <laughs> and realistically, right. Who's going to tell you, no, if it's, if it's toxic to the point where you're actively feeling like you're in, you know, we'll say a hostile situation, right? Like you're feeling attacked or you're feeling like the conversation that's happening is not productive. There's a, there's a very solid and 100% viable reason to walk away from that, right? There, yeah. It's not going to be positive for you to stay there. And quite frankly, you're wasting company money by sitting there. And I think it's weird. Cause, I mean, at least I know in, in my in my journey thus far, right, like that's never been taught to me that it's all right to give yourself permission to remove yourself from uh, an uncomfortable 
uh, or a hostile situation sure. uh, ar- around people. Like that's not a thing that's that's taught or told. Um, at least, yeah. at least in, in, in my travels, right? Like, that's oh yeah, that, yeah. That, like I've had to like learn through through, you know, through Zach and Matt and Paul and you know all the other people that we kind of gather around with. Um, that like that's okay to give yourself permission to do that. Well, to be uh, fair, right? Weird. There's a lot of people who are going to treat you like you're the aggressor if you leave. You know what I mean? Oh, like absolutely. that happens. You know, and it's like, oh well, so and so was so mad they couldn't handle themselves and they just walked out. And it's like, no. That's quite the opposite, right? Like you, you, but I think that, you know, that, that goes back to kind of what Matt was talking about managing the manager, right? Like you need, and I think Paul also mentioned that, right? Is, is, um, the, the ability for you to communicate effectively two ways, right? Two way street with the manager, uh, that you have at the time and, and have them understand, look, this is not because I'm throwing a fit and I'm trying to get the upper hand by walking out, right? This isn't some kind of weird negotiation tactic you know what i mean this is you know for the health of the company and our working relationships we need to separate right now because neither one of us are in a positive and healthy situation with the way this conversation is going i have a word for this that i've given to jeremy before as well which is you can really only control yourself you can't control someone else so you can only control your emotions and how you react so even if the other person is immensely rude that's on you if you're the one that responds horrifically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like I tell my daughter, right? Like it's at some point, right, you're not going to control toxic people. You're not going to control positive people. You're not going to control anyone. That's not the point of life. But what you can do is whenever, you know, is you can practice more mindfulness, right? And you can wrap your head more around what, what Matt was just saying, right? It's about your reaction to things. And what I try to do and what I tell my daughter a lot because she's got um, someone at school that's kind of not the not the healthiest person on earth to be around is uh, I just tell her, look, you know, whenever so-and-so makes you mad, right, just consider the source, right? Like is there – when you're not around that person, do you think about them? Probably not. If they're not that important, like if they're so not important in your personal life that you're not thinking about them – then they're really not that important in the grand scheme of things, right? They're important as a person. They have their own value and their own worth, but relative to your life, not really. So why get that worked up over them? You know what I mean? Like get worked up over the things that you want to be passionate about in life, right? Like, you know, like, you know, Paul, right? Chasing down a guitar. Like we need to tell that story at one of these casts one time, Paul. (laughs) Um, or, you know, Jeremy learning how to do a kickflip or whatever, you know, Jeremy does with the skateboards, um, <laughs> you know, or, or Matt, you know, eating vegan chorizo, which is the most sinful thing on the face of the planet. It's got you chili powder in it. It, it, it. No, Paul, I expect better of you being from where you're from, sir. I, I, I laugh so hard because I know on one level – Zach detests the idea of like eating relatively healthy and making it look good. And on the other hand, has some thought of like, I bet his wife is saying something to him. Like maybe you should stop eating like crap. Nah, hey, no, we, eat, we no. actually eat really good. We just don't eat vegan. Right. Like, and I have, oh, no, 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 no. I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I will. 
I made a gluten-free cheesecake the other day for work, and trust me, that was vegan capable. Nice. I will eat vegan, right? It's just not something we're going to go to. You know what I mean? Like, if I go to someone's house and they serve vegan, I'll chow down on it. I don't care. You know, but, I'm just messing with you. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, <laughs> dude, I've been, you know, I mean, th- right? I, I don't turn away from many foods other than shellfish. That's about the only thing that I'm just like a flat no on. No crabs? Uh, no, I've never had them. Wow. Well, that's a different discussion, but um, yeah. yeah. Picking my job. No, I mean, I, I have, uh, when I was about 12 or 13, I went on a trip to Galveston uh, for like spring break or something with my family and had some fried oysters that were bad. And Ooh. it made me like super, super, super sick, like barely made it out of the restaurant, like, you know, spraying the, the parking lot sick. And yeah. But since then, right, like the smell of shellfish just turns my stomach, which it, you know, it, it stinks, right? Because when you talk to people about seafood, they're usually like their mouths start watering, right? I wish I could love shellfish as much as people do. Like people pay really good money for crab, you know, like <laughs> you don't see, you don't see burgers to get like, you know, priced by the market pound, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I mean, that's. People pay bad money for for that stuff over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, and you guys, I don't know. Is it, I think it's more north than you, right? But like, you've got like soft shell and you know all the other stuff too. That um, there's you know a million different ways to do seafood, right? But yeah, I mean, I'll I'll eat. I mean, I've eaten like crickets and stuff before. I've eaten you know cobra and, and stuff in the jungles and doing trainings mm. and stuff like that, right? So I mean, it's. It's not that I'm against like exotic foods, right? I just do not like shellfish. There's just, it's, it's the smell, and there's you know there's there's a psychological thing about like your olfactory senses bringing the the most visceral reaction to memories. So <laughs> it, yeah. it's really a thing, right? Like we had a. I remember when I was in a psych class and they were talking about that. The teacher said, you know, when he was in when he was in uh, in college, he had a situation where he drank way too much strawberry hill boone's farm yeah and that's like, the last gosh. time he had that yeah <laughs> like, the, like if he to him right the thought of strawberries turns his stomach now oh yeah so i mean it's just wow, you know that's... we there's certain things that you know we you know some of us latch on to and mine just happens to be the smell of shellfish and it's a you know i don't miss it but at the same time i every once in a while, like my wife loves crab loves scallops like you know octopus squid all that kind of stuff right loves that stuff and so it's all right me and her are gonna get along yeah yeah like two three times a year i have to go to like (laughs) a a nice seafood place and take her but luckily where we're at right usually if you find a good seafood spot they also have really good steak so it works out Mm -hmm. oh black and t-bone baby uh no ribeye all the way dude black and ribeye makes its own sauce yeah but so, yeah, I mean, so, you know, to, to I would say that it's, you know, it's offensive to, you know, everyone south of the Red River that there is such a thing as vegan chorizo, but vegan food in general is not offensive. <laughs> it's just that one specific item. Ah, okay. I can, I can see that. Yeah, I, I just couldn't imagine carne asada vegan, so. Yeah, uh, right? Like, how do you do that? Like, it's literally called carne, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Um, so uh, 
I threw a couple of questions out here. So, Zach, what's the first computer you ever had access to? Uh, Apple IIe in probably third or fourth grade in the computer lab. And we played, uh, I remember, I think it was fourth grade, actually. And we played Kid Picks in Oregon Trail. Oh, wow. And, like, that was the first computer I had access to. The first time I did anything, you know, computer-y, I was, I believe, a junior or maybe a sophomore in high school, and I took a, a one semester on AutoCAD. And um, wow. I remember the, the, the final for the class is to, you know, build something from scratch. And, and I built a clown. And it was three-dimensional and rendered and looked pretty. And the guy next to me, who was a huge Trekkie to the point where, like, he literally wore rank on his T-shirts. <laughs> um, yeah, like, a communicator. Awesome. It, amazing guy, right? I loved him. He was so awesome. He had a really hard time in high school. You know what I mean? But I loved I thought he was great. Uh, yeah. Legit made a two-scale rendering of the USS Enterprise. Wow. Like with the rooms. Like, wow. I mean, it was like, oh, dude, it was ridiculous. He so broke that... out the blueprints and just did it. Oh, yeah. And that guy, you know, fun fact, right? He had a hard time in high school. Dude is rolling in the cash right now. I bet like he's he, an architect. You know probably. what I mean? Yeah, he's like a GIS guy or something like that, right? Like, it's ridiculous. It. And, yeah, I, I really want him to just, like, you know, own a Lambo and just yeah. drive circles around our hometown holding his middle finger up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Like, good on him. High five, man. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that was my first uh, computer. Jeremy, what's yours? Um, Ever, the first a, one you touched. Kind of like... <laughs> the, the first one that I really started uh, messing around with, and I'm a little bit fuzzy on the specific model, but it was a Tandy 1000, I believe. Ooh. Yeah. Um, the old IBM one. I mean, uh, it, I'll, it, say, like IBM I'll say DOS yes. Or, I'm sorry, DOS one. Yeah, well, it, you could, uh, right, because it had that, like, weird, like, Tandy GUI on top of it, but you could, like, exit out of it and go into DOS mode. Um, oh, that's right, they had a front end. Yep, yep, to, like, jump into, so you could load up, like, WordPerfect, or you could, you know, play games or screw around in DOS when my dad would go absolutely bananas. What are you doing? Why are you in that? Why are you in the commands? <laughs> Which I uh, love doing. <laughs> so for me, uh, I go way back. Um, this would have been 79. My dad's company was buying a computer to do the lumber business before he got out of the uh, company and before they, he, he left them. Uh, he, uh, he owned half the company. His brother bought him out, but different story. So um, they bought this computer, and my cousin uh, actually went to MIT, and um, he was helping program the computer to do the lumber business. And when they ended up finishing the program a year or two later, they actually sold it to other lumber companies to run on that software. And it was a it was written in basic. The, the company uh, the company uh, or sorry, the computer was a basic four, I think was the company's name. And they had a Star Trek that was all kind of like terminal text based. And it would show you like a grid of where you were and what, how many Klingons were there and everything. I, I never got into it that much, but it was something I could play with a little bit. Sounds so, awesome. It was for 78, <laughs> dude. That thing was like rocking. And it, yeah, yeah. But it was it sat in a rack. I swear the thing must have been three, four feet tall. Yeah. Now, wait, what was it called? Basic four. 
and it might have been basic in the number four. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but um, it was an old uh, it, DOS or CPM. No, it must have been CPM machine. Yeah. Uh, for so that I think era. all three of us, right? We're back from the era when floppy disks were actually floppy. Oh yeah, Plus, this was like right? eight-inch floppies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plus, yeah. compared to compared to some of the newer MVPs, right? We actually know what a floppy disk is. <laughs> so that was all the bigger I thought floppy disks got until I actually started my career in um, in in the government, mm-hmm. uh, and and they had to uh, restart one of the the. What, what did they call it? IPL? IML? I think it was IPL. One of the mainframe uh, boxes at a different site. And I literally had to go down and pull this giant floppy out of the drive. And it was, you know, the, like the size of a, a, a small laptop. And I was like, are you are you kidding? Is this, is this what like, writes this? Was it like comically big, like something out of Spaceballs or something like that? Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, nice. it's 8-inch. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's, nice. And it's and it held like 140k of data. Right. Eight inch floppy. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I had friends that had CPM machines at their house. That you know, um, he took off for the weekend for the he, he set it up, and then the 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 first night he had someplace he to go. His literally came home and it was off. His wife was like, "I don't know what that is, but it's too loud." <laughs> nice. So I, I put a link over there for the uh, the basic four computer. Yeah, I threw it in the in the notes. We'll we'll have it on the thing. Yeah, MIA, Basic Four System History. Wow. Pretty nifty. Uh, that's and that was the first one I ever touched. Dad bought. Okay, I got you. Got well, the you. company the company that my dad owned at the time uh, was was doing that for the lumberyard. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, model two twelve hundreds in nineteen seventy six. That's probably what nice. they ended up getting. <clears throat> but yeah, I remember they had that that blue blue look to it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I've I've seen a lot of computers over the years. I saw a PDP eleven and ninety five running, and this is a nineteen seventies vintage computer, and it was running doing data acquisition for an oil company. Oh, it probably still is. What could be? I mean, <laughs> all it has to do is get it, answer a modem and tell me how much oil's in the tank and if it needs to be yeah. emptied. Yeah. Not everything needs to be over a 10 gig network, boys and girls, for 100 gig. Yeah, I got a buddy. Uh, <laughs> That's from just the lie. <laughs> I got a buddy from the Marines that does. Uh, he he programs robots, and for a while, he did it for um, robotics in like foundries. So he would, um, you know, program the the. The, you know, the, the machinery that would move like in a smelting factory or something like that. Right now, uh, he's since moved to a couple of different companies. I th- at one time, he programmed all the arms that work at the Tesla plant up in uh, wow. the Bay Area that builds the batteries, you know. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, the you know, factory. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, what he does is you know awesome stuff right like in it but if you look at like his actual you know code it's just like wait what that's it you know what i mean it's (laughs) it's literally just a bunch of you know just basic really simple logic and it's you know he was he was we were talking about it one time and he was like yeah dude it doesn't have to be complicated if it works why would we change it the industry works amazingly and this is still the future you know (laughs) Yep. Like it's funny when you compare 
you know, they, everybody talks about robotics and, and, and how machines are the future and everything. But if you look at like their level of complexity on their coding compared to what you see some of the traditional programmers in IT do, and it's like, are we making things too complicated just because we can? You know what I mean? Like, it's just really interesting the way the two disciplines approach things so differently. Well, I mean, well, we can talk about that at another time, but yeah. Sure, I, sure, sure. My old ham radio stuff, slow is good too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, many... I remember making a ham radio when I was a, a Cub Scout in fourth grade. I think it was, or was it third grade? It was when I was a wolf, whatever level of Cub That's Scout cub. that is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it was right before Weeblos. And I made a ham radio thing. It just basically, you know, put a bunch of copper wire in a circle or a tube. And it had like this little needle you would move back and forth till you could hear stuff, you know? AM radio. Is that what it was? It was a crystal yeah. radio. Because you okay. had a crystal. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I can make it out thing. of aluminum foil, a Coke can, and um, a couple of straws from Whataburger and a ferroid. Yeah, I, I've got a nice little deal lady for that. Nice. So two things for the audience, right? Number one, Paul does everything related to radios ever. And number two, Whataburger's the best fast food restaurant on the face of the planet. Wow. Yeah, I, I've got it. I'm having a bad day. That, that'll work every time. Yeah, exactly. What's Whataburger? Jeremy, when you come to Austin, we're not going in and out like Nick did. And Paul, did you know that Nick came all the way down to Texas from Michigan and went to In-N-Out Burger? That it's okay. I mean, occasionally <laughs> I have an In-N-Out Burger. I'll I'll admit it. I yeah, but we live here, here, right? Like we don't. Yeah, it's like, that's like going to you know like San Diego and uh, and eating at Whataburger. Yeah, right. Like that's completely backwards, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, anyway, no, so uh, Whataburger's problem- a, a burger place, and it it's it's W H A T A. B-U-R-G-E-R, but if you're from Texas, it's called Waterburger. Yeah, and it was they originally... seem to have stolen uh, Wonder Woman's logo, apparently? Uh, uh, I'm not sure which one came first. Well, I don't know. I mean, they've been around since, I think, 54 or 50. I feel like I, I would completely understand if Wonder Woman just really wanted to be more like Waterburger. It's that good. Unless I'm mistaking, uh, okay, they're different. It's just very, very similar. really similar. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it's you know originally it was what a burger, right? Like that was their their thing, and just sure. because we speak weird down here, we call it water burger. Well, that's right. You know, it's like water and oil and you know. Yeah, Kevin and his, and I'm sure, Jeremy, you do this too, being from the area, but if you're in the area of Baltimore, the idea of a water fountain sounds really weird. You mean a water fountain? Yeah, it's it's like, it sounds like W-O-O-D-E-R whenever it's said yep. in, the, in the right accent. Yep. Well, best, we might want to wrap best. this thing up sometime soon. Nah, no, nah, this is actually the one that we're doing for the telethon, so we have to go for 23 more hours. God. It's sad to think that we might actually be able to, be able to pull that off. Oh, yeah, yeah. me and Jeremy could. Paul would go to bed. He'd say the heck with it. Oh, no, no, I, I can do that. I mean, I, I've done the uh, marathon uh, kind of gigs where you run audio at the beach for different bands. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. We did... Uh... Order Ranges, baby. Our, oh, I love Cordae. That's where I go deep sea fishing all the time. 
or not all the time, but when I go, I go there. Um, I also go flounder gigging there. I used to live in Rockport for years. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's where the captain I go flounder gigging with is from. A lot of the good captains live there. Nice. So anyway, uh, we just did our migration and upgrade took just over 13 hours on Saturday. So uh, I'm – 100% yeah, 100% the, behind the idea of let's you know cut it a little shorter than 28 hours this time. Okay. <laughs> and I'm plus still my wife recovering probably from to... Saturday. It was rough, man. Yeah, I'm sure. My wife would like to probably have it, you know, say hi to me at least once or twice before the end of the evening. We hope that, right? Like my wife, before we started recording, came in and said, you know, it was nice seeing you at dinner and went back downstairs. <laughs> And it was right. nice, you know, it's, you know, after 16 years, she's still happy to see me at dinner. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate it. Sure. So yeah, mandatory custom properties. Let's all do those, but also avoid toxic people. Exactly. Cool. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen now because I think Matt has still has full control of the recording. So let I, I me think... see. No, I can't stop it. Yeah, Matt's recording the call. Oh, uh, is there nothing on here that says we can stop anything? We no, might just we drop can't. off it when he gets around to getting back to the computer. I guess he'll punch the button. I really hope that Skype has a default that if it just goes too long, it stops and buttons it up and throws it in the chat as a recording for us and doesn't just abandon everything. I bet they're smart enough about that. Well, sure, we'll Microsoft does great smart things all the time. <laughs> well, oh, well. We'll find out. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, we really will. Well, that, uh, great. Uh... Jeremy's <laughs> either going to have a really easy or really painful editing of this. Or the download's going to take a long time. Right? It's going to be like a 400 gigabyte file. That's right. That's the one thing I do try and pay for is decent download speeds here. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys. It was fun. I appreciate it. Y'all have a wonderful evening. Good night. night. (laughs) Thank you.